0: God's Law, Jesus, and us is the title of the message today, and we arrive at the crown of the first portion of Deuteronomy. If you have heard of John Lennon of the Beatles, right? Anybody else know all those who know the Beatles of the 1960s, the number one pop group of that time, and John Lennon, who was the major songwriter together with Paul McCartney? All those who know them, hands up. They're the whole two, not too bad, not too bad. About 60% are above 50 years old. Um, (laughs) That's 1960s. The most famous song by John Lennon is arguably Imagine, right? And the lyrics of Imagine run along these lines. Imagine, right? There's no heaven, it's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us only sky. Imagine all the people Living just for today. No need to think about eternity. Imagine there are no countries, no boundaries. It isn't hard to do. And you've got no countries, there is no need to kill, nothing to kill for, nothing to die for. And imagine if there's no religion, imagine all the people living life in peace. No need for greed or hunger, a brotherhood of men. Imagine all the people of the world sharing all the world. You may say I'm a dreamer. You may say I'm a dreamer, but I am not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will live as one." Beautiful lyrics, don't you think? He was a master songwriter. It was. John Lennon died. He was assassinated in New York City on December the 8th by Mark David Chapman, a Beatles fan, who disapproved of of Lennon's lifestyle which tells you that you and me can imagine all you want about a world in which we speak about the brotherhood of man. There is, no, there is no heaven, there is no hell, there is only sky above and only land below. And if there are no countries, nothing to live for, nothing to die for, and no religion too, and no God, and that will be paradise. No matter how much our human imagination dreams of a world without God, It is not a world that is true or will come true. He died not from the brotherhood of men, but from the hatred and the venom and maybe the unwellness of somebody. Imagine if you went to, I just went to the Bird Park this week. You know, Jordan Bird Park here in Singapore has moved and there's a bird paradise there at Mandai, part of the zoo. I highly encourage you to go, but it's very big. You have to be slightly fit to go. And so nice enclosures here and there, and then air-conditioned spaces in between to let you chill out, cool out. And then in one of the last enclosures we went to, right, and I noticed a commotion, a group of people had gathered around a couple, and this couple was around, I think, a cockatoo, right? And what was happening, I saw from afar that the lady, the wife of this couple, was feeding water from a water bottle to the cockatoo. So I call out from where I was, maybe from here to the third or fourth row, Uh, excuse me, you're not supposed to do that. The the ranger there told you not to do that. We are not supposed to feed the birds or the animals. It's not good for them. They, They didn't take notice. I walked closer. You know, my voice is quite soft, you know, and quite clear. And so, excuse me, did you not hear the ranger tell all of us that we're not supposed to do that? She carried on feeding, feeding, feeding. Whole bottle. I said it's not legal that you do this. It's not right that you do this. Sorry, sorry, sorry. There's a sorry that there was not a sorry. You follow? They were obviously tourists. Could they understand English? Yes. Every word I said. So what if you went to a park and there were no rules? What if you were a driver and there were no rules? Do you just read that one on the TPE, Tampines Expressway, where cars just swung lanes? I think he just swung from I. Right to left to do a turn out and he hit a motorbike motorbike and the two of them got thrown right into the air. What if that happened? And what if our schools didn't have any rules? Imagine our children going to schools, right? And you go to a school in which uh, there are no uniforms. Secondly, you can go to that school and you can speak whatever language you want according to your mother tongue or dialect, and for freedom of expression to help creativity, is a school that if you wanted to swear in context, you can also swear. And you went to a school in which there are no start times, there are no end times, you just decide to go if you want to go, and don't go if you don't want to go. It's a school in which you don't need to greet your teachers, and don't need to listen to anybody. You want to listen, you listen. Imagine going to such a school. Imagine if you... Went to a home, if you ran your home without laws, and your home without laws is um, your married couple, imagine your marriage without rules or laws, that um, yeah, you can continue dating your old boyfriend and girlfriend. It's, it's okay, we're modern day people, and modern day people are progressive. It's not like the old generation, right? And if you want to communicate, you communicate. don't want to communicate, it's fine. You send me a message a day, it's also fine. Imagine your marriage without any ground rules between the husband and wife. Can you imagine? Did you read about the man who was jailed for 29 years? because he and four other friends engage in wife swapping? And you think, my goodness, that is totally off the bell curve. What if there are no rules in your heart that nobody can tell you what to do with your phone? We are aghast at the wife swapping out there, which may seem so exceptional. But what about the places you go to on your phone, which are just as depraved, but no one can or should tell you Imagine if you live life without laws, without rules, without black and white, and you and me decide all things. There are two extremes with laws. And the two extremes with laws, the legalists, we love laws. And the more laws there are, we think we create heaven here on earth. And so Jack Neal did make a movie, Just Follow Law, La, years ago thinking that Singaporeans are just mindless and unthinking when it comes to law. Whatever laws are passed by the government, they must be good laws. Is there truth to it? For libertarians or the libertines, right, they hate laws. And anything that smacks of law, speak of, speak of autocracy. So the libertines, if you live without law, your life becomes anarchic. Once you understand that issue of the place and purpose of laws for us, you would understand the Ten Commandments, which is being repeated here in Deuteronomy chapter 5. First given to them at Mount Sinai after they had come out of slavery through the exodus, miraculously, and they arrive at Mount Sinai. But after getting that law, they all rebel against God. That generation passes on, it's 40 years, and now Moses, under God, repeats that law to a new generation. And Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and the rules that I speak in your hearing today, and you shall learn them and be careful to do them. The Lord, our God, made a covenant with us at Horeb. And so I put the acronym HBO, if you do not know. You hear with the intention to believe in God. Hearing, believing, and you believe with the intention to obey God. God never speaks His Word in a vacuum. He speaks His Word so that you will hear Him, you will trust Him or believe in Him, and you would obey Him. And all that hearing and believing goes back to a promise He made to Abraham, the first of what we call the patriarchs, the spiritual forefathers, that God will give him three blessings and his descendants. The blessings of children, many children, Though they were old and barren, the blessings of land to house the children. And when the children arrive in this land, they will be a blessing, blessed by God, and all who bless them will be blessed. And so, the ten words. And these ten words, the covenant and the ten words, was not just made with our fathers, but also with us. And does he mean our fathers, the previous generation? More possible. Or does it mean all the way back with our forefathers, all the way back to Genesis, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? The repeated phrase, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Whatever it is, this God, when He makes the covenant and gives His law, His word is enduring. His word is enduring. So the context for understanding the law is the covenant. Without the covenant, the law loses its purpose. And God is the initiator of that covenant. Israel is a partner. Heaven and earth, the most enduring entities, are witnesses of this covenant made between God and his beloved people, Israel. The duty is that you must shine forth to the other nations and this is so good it is from God, you must pass it on to your children. We read that in chapter 3. And what did we read in chapter 3? that if Israel obeys the statutes and the rules, if if Israel obeys the ten words, her justice and her righteousness will stand up among all the nations and cause the nations to ask, who is this God that has called this bunch of former slaves to be so distinctive? And Israel will not be distinctive because of her political acumen. Israel will not be distinctive because of her economic prosperity. Israel will not be distinctive because of a military strategy. Israel will stand out because of her laws given by God. So humane, so loving, so just, so righteous, couldn't have been made by a man-made God. And so the covenant and the law right, is not time-bound, is not place-bound. Time-bound. right. So here in Singapore, we have what we call the ERP which has been studied by governments all over the world, electronic road pricing. In the early days when this was implemented, right, and maybe even now, whenever you see an ERP, especially in the morning, right, let's say it becomes cheaper past nine o'clock, or 9.30, and cars will slow down, pull to the side, and just wait, and wait, and wait, nine o'clock, bang. <laughs> which means that law is only time sensitive. Beyond that time, it doesn't work. Or place-bound, place-bound, I've given this illustration. You see our children, here in Singapore, maybe there overseas, singing the national anthem every day at the assembly. But you ask yourself, if the is the national anthem sung or the national anthem played? If you go to enough assemblies, you will find the teachers chuchuking the students, sing, 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 because it's being played. Then you notice something, right? If you go and pick up your children, inside, everybody is standing to attention to the national anthem. But outside, the maids, the mothers, the grandfathers, they're all looking at their phone, digging their ears. That is a place-bound law. God's Word is not like that. It transcends time and space. Because He's the everlasting God with an everlasting covenant. And His word for Israel is, you must pass it on to the next generation. So four laws, there are ten words here. right? Today we deal with four. And the four words, the first first four laws, dictate their relationship with God. The next six laws dictate their relationship with neighbour. When you come to know the true and the living God, His name is Yahweh. He rules your life 24-7. He tells you how you should live in regard to Him. He tells you how you should live in regard to others. And that's very important. The Ten Commandments tell us that worship is 24-7 every area of your life. God is going to give you instructions about your marriage. Do not commit adultery. God is going to give you instructions about how to relate to your parents. Honor your father and mother. God is going to give you instructions about your neighbour. Do not covet any of your neighbor's possessions. Do not covet your neighbor's wife. What do you call that? That's 24-7 worship. 24-7 worship doesn't just come about when Jesus turns up. And we'll say more about it. So law number one, imagine if God didn't say to Israel, imagine first. That was to get your attention. Imagine first, if there is really no God, would life be so edenic and paradoxical? Would life be so heavenly if there was no God? Think about it. If there is no God, your life and my life will be a mess. There are no boundaries to what you would do in your heart against God and against each other. No offense too depraved for you to do in thought and word and deed. Sexual offenses. Relational offenses. Think about it. I am Yahweh your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. So there is a true and living God. He is not the man-made idols of Egypt where they came up from. Neither is He the man-made idols of Canaan that they will march into. His name is Yahweh. There is only one true living. No God but Him. No God but only Him. Amen? Thank God that there is God Thank God that you and I are not God. Thank God that all the rulers of this world are not God. Imagine if there was no prohibition of idols. If there was no prohibition of idols, like, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a calf image or any likeness of anything in heaven that is above, on the earth beneath, or in the water under the earth. So is the former president of the US, Obama, who rose up to make a speech not long after he was inaugurated. And his speech was, we are no longer a Christian nation. We are a Jewish nation. We are a Muslim nation. We are a nation of non-believers. And as Christians reflected on that from America's Christian background, her Christian background was a group of Puritan Christians were on the run from persecution in England. And they, by God's grace, landed on the east side of America. And when they landed, they called it Cambridge because they came from Cambridge. And the first thing that they did in Cambridge was John Harvard donated a piece of land. And the first thing we must do is to teach the law of God and to pass on the word of God to the next generations. It began as a Judeo-Christian nation. And when Obama announced that they were no longer a Christian nation, it was a staggering statement. He was announcing the birth of a nation of many gods. Many other nations moved from many gods to believe in the one true God, monotheism. America moved from monotheism to the belief of many gods. And there are repercussions personally, and there are repercussions nationally. And so the warnings and the blessings that God gave to Israel was this. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. The word worship and serve are interchangeable. You shall not bow down and worship them or serve them. You worship God by serving God, you serve God by worshiping Him. For the Lord Yahweh your God is a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Idolatry is not just idolatry. Idolatry is the surface of the iceberg. Beneath the iceberg, the weight of the iceberg, the gravitas of the iceberg is actually hatred for God. If you didn't hate God, didn't distrust God, you will have no idols in your life. For those who love Him, the blessings will literally last thousands upon thousands. The word generations is not there. And what does it speak about? There are repercussions for idolatry downwards to the generation. There's reward for fidelity, downwards to the generation. You never disobey God without repercussions. You never obey God without the reward of blessings. That's at the heart of the book of Deuteronomy. It's important for us to note. We read this and say, what idols do we make in Singapore, modern-day Singapore? Nothing, except when Blackpink comes, there's a traffic jam. And the tickets are priced at $168 to $368, right? So the lowest price ticket is $168, right? And uh, our lowest price ticket for the Getty's is $30. This one, you go in here, you hear about Jesus, you hear about God, you hear about forgiveness of sin, you hear about eternal life, you hear about songs that might bring you to salvation. You could buy five tickets here to bless people for that one lowest price ticket. You follow? I thought I'd better say that. Just in case we get the values wrong, and some people say, wow, so expensive $30 Christian concert. So non-Christian concert can pay. Eh? Christian concert cannot pay. You think the Christian artists live on air, is it? Huh? They just write songs and then God will feed me. You know how hard it is. I was talking to Rob Smith, my classmate. It's so competitive among the Christian. It's so hard. You download one song, it's one cent. It's so hard to earn a living. And so put your priorities right. I mean, I used to be an idolater. I wasn't born in a Christian family. And who did I idolize as a young boy, as a teenager? Bruce Lee. Every day I took out my shirt, stood in front of the mirror. (laughs) Every day, every day, right? Bruce Lee was everywhere, plastered everywhere, okay? But my body never became that V-shape. It still remained horizontal. I was once an idolater, but now I'm a worshipper of God. The father of artificial intelligence, Geoffrey Hinton, has just, is, has just left Google. And he warns, if you read the article, oh, he left Google, he left artificial intelligence, he says artificial intelligence is an animal that we create and one day you will not be able to control. Why do you want machines to think on your behalf? And it becomes dangerous when you have generative artificial intelligence. The machines not just think on your behalf, they will overthink on your behalf. And one day, it might press the wrong buttons for us to go to war with each other. Step number, step number three. Step number two is more and more of us will lose our jobs because of this. And so we don't have idols. Who said? We always have idols in our life. From the light-hearted entertainers, which I have, you have, the artists in our life, to the artificial intelligence, Egypt was known as the premier country. If you were migrating at that time, you would put Egypt as your top country. Then empire switch, you will put Assyria as your next country. If you live 2,000 years, you will put Rome as your top country to migrate to. Be very careful what we think as top. And so, law number three, imagine if there was no warning of faking it. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Notice he doesn't say, you shall not speak the name of the Lord in vain. Take the name. And a lot to unpack. I've got only five minutes to do so. Right? And basically, he's saying to Israel, you mustn't get used to worshipping God and worshipping idols. You mustn't get used to two-timing with God. When you two-time with God, you're faking it. And so, if you caught the movie Catch Me If You Can, it's based on the true story of Frank Abernackley. And Frank Abernackley, as a young man, was a master con man. And a master con man in the movie, he pretended to be a pilot for Pan American Airlines. Staggering, right? How on earth do you pretend to be a pilot? Then he passed off as a doctor in Georgia. And then he passed off as a lawyer in the, for the Attorney General's office in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And then he passed off as a professor at Brigham Young University. He also managed at that time, in the 1970s, to cash out $2 million worth of bad cheques. He was so good, but the FBI finally nailed him. And what did the FBI do? They finally hired him. You need a con man to catch the con man. Right? How much of the story is true? quite a bit, you go, we are not called to be con men. God says to Israel, you either worship me with all your heart, mind and strength or you don't. You don't, you'll be cursed. You do, you'll be blessed down the generations. Law number three in Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 7, not everyone will say to me on the day, Lord, Lord, didn't we know you? Didn't we do things in your name? They all thought that they were worshippers of God, beginning with the religious leaders. Then you hear the most staggering words from the Lord Jesus, away from me, you, can you read the last thing? Away from me, I never knew you, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. It's the most stunning thing to say to Jews, you are lawless people. They would consider themselves the, more law-abiding, the most law-abiding people on planet Earth. For you could be a law keeper on surface, but could be a God-hater in your heart. And that's what Jesus found. They were keeping the law to the T, but plotting to kill Him in their hearts. How can you do this? You cannot attend church and listen to forgiveness while you sit there with unforgiveness in your hearts you cannot attend church and listen to jesus the savior and then be thinking about things that does not come from the savior your thoughts your words and deeds we cannot misuse the name of the lord last but not least what if there was no sabbath and listen to the sabbath instructions carefully observe the sabbath day to keep it holy as the lord your god commanded you Six days you shall work and do all the work. But on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On that day you shall not work. To get it in balance, work is given by God. Everybody want to say, work is given by God. I'm just checking. Here it's very quiet at the chapel. Yeah. Work is a blessing. You know why? God says six days you shall work. On the seventh day you shall rest. Work and rest are both given by God. Work is the cake. Rest is the icing. It's very important. So we get this right. The first time this was given in Exodus 20, it was given for the creational purpose. God worked six days, he rested on a seventh day. Now it's given in Deuteronomy, there's an added reason. You were redeemed from Egypt, so give rest to everyone. When you were in Egypt, you were not men and women. You were slaves. You were at the back and call of Pharaoh and his great vision of a world. And you live like animals 24 7 at the back and call of your masters. And so imagine if there was no Sabbath law given to God's people. There'll be no humaneness. You work till you drop dead. And you want, to hear, you want to see a picture of work till you drop dead? Go back and Google when the Japanese conquered Southeast Asia, conquered Singapore, conquered Malaysia, and they built the Burma, the, the railway line to, to Burma and you see people working till they drop dead. That's what prisoners of wars are made to do. No humaneness. All work and no rest in the modern day world. Who is, who is culpable of this? All work and no rest. Who do you call this, Singaporeans? Huh? Asians. The Japanese have a term for this, karoshi. You work, 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 then you die of exhaustion. All rest and no work, right? You call this Westerners. Oh, sorry. I do not know we float between two extremes because they're exploring the four-day week. And so we must get the balance. What if there's another law? And Jesus says, do not think I've come to abolish the law, but I've come to fulfil the law. And so the law was given, and Israel failed God, failed God, failed God. And finally, Jesus turns up as the ultimate law fulfiller. And the word fulfil means, you know, like a, you blow a balloon, I'm flat-chested, look at my side view. Right? When I blow a balloon, it's still rather loose, flaccid. If the person who blew the French horn, blows, Stewart blows that balloon, it will burst. Jesus comes and he pushes the, the law to its limits. That's one meaning. Meaning one. You have heard that it was said, right? Do not murder. Do not murder. But I say to you, if you are angry with your brother, you have murdered him. So leave your gift at the altar and go and make right with your brother. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I say to you, if a man laughs after a woman with his eyes and his heart, you have committed adultery. What do you call that? When Jesus comes, he perhaps fulf- fills up the meaning of it. He ups the ante. That's one understanding. Like the balloon, he blows it up to the max. The other understanding is fulfilled, is temporal. All that was given, all that was given to Israel, but the final fulfilment of the law is not for the nation of Israel who will fall short. That Jesus come in the fullness of time, He fulfills it. So for us, which part of the Ten Commandments do we keep? We keep the Ten Commandments by looking to Jesus. The ceremonial ones we do not keep, the important ones we still must keep, and next week you'll find out a bit more. Last but not least, there is another rest. And in Hebrews chapter 4, it says, if Moses had taken you to the land, you would have rested, but you didn't. You rebel. Joshua took the next generation into the land. If Joshua gave them that permanent rest, then they would not, God would not speak of another rest. And Jesus comes along, His name is Joshua, which is God saves. It is Him who takes us to that land. And to that land in which there will be no more weeping, no more mourning, no more sin, no more death the new heavens and the new earth. Promised in Isaiah 2, in the last days, all the nations will come to the new mountain. And on the new mountain, there will be a new law. And this law will be written on their hearts. And so we conducted a funeral yesterday. Last week, there were three funerals. One yesterday's perhaps was the hardest. Because a young man in our midst of 23 years old just died suddenly. It's hard for parents to bury their children. The normality of life is children bury their parents. In the exception of life, parents bury their children. And so there was much sadness, and yet there is living hope. As we go to every funeral, we say we look forward to the new heavens and the new earth. where God says he will be our God and we will be his people. And that is what we hold out. We came back from seeing our grandchildren very briefly because it was a busy week last week. End to end, not feeling too well. And then, as after visiting them for just about half an hour to an hour, I went to pick up Mona. And as she sat in the car, I said, ah, "I'm feeling unwell. I'm feeling really unwell. Uh, you know, my wife's tolerance of pain is really high." And she was struggling. She was wrestling. I said, "Are you okay? Are you okay? Uh, do you do you want to go to the doctor?" Because I was en route to do the funeral week. I said, "Okay, okay." She went straight back to, to bed, covered herself. No, she in bed and up to there. No fan, no air con. I Said, "You okay?" I said, okay, okay. I prayed with her. I went to the funeral, wait. I texted our daughter and said, May, please come back earlier. I think mom's not feeling too well. Just keep an eye on her. I was was driving down, and maybe I watched bits of K drama with Mona. What would I do if she passes away? No, I love this woman. I know this woman loves me. And I can't imagine life without her. I can't imagine how I would have done 33 years of pastoring ARPC without her. Just thought about it. But then I just prayed to God, if, if you take her, because we've seen so many sudden deaths, so many sudden deaths, if you take her, she goes to a better place before me. You must not just preach the gospel, you must live the gospel. That the new heavens and new earth and the permanent rest that God gives us will be a place where there will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, because the former things have passed away. All these things come to fruition. The Ten Commandments, the Ten Words come to fulfilment in Jesus, and Jesus comes to lead us to that place. May we hold fast to this, and treasure that we live under Jesus, the fulfiller of law. Let's stand pray. So we wait for the musicians to come and lead us in song. Spend a few moments thinking about. It. We cannot make a world a better world by our human imagination. God offers us the best world by revelation, revealing who He is, revealing His purposes to bless us, revealing finally Jesus and the final rest that we have in Him. when in the new heavens and the new earth. In the new Jerusalem, the law of God will be written upon our hearts. It has now begun. It will be completed and fulfilled. May we, the people of God, here in the RPC, and everywhere around the world, delight that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and to look to Him and to trust in Him. And in so doing, be able to send a message to the world that our lives are different unto God, for His witness, for His glory. Amen.